This morning, we're continuing to talk about what a healthy church looks like. I don't want to be a part of a sick church, okay? I want to be a part of a healthy church. I want to be a part of a church that is sound. I want to be a part of a church that looks like and functions like God intends for it to look like and what God intends for it to function like. And so this morning, we come to this idea of leadership. Healthy churches are filled with leaders, Healthy churches are filled with leaders. And that has almost nothing to do with a title. We, we will talk about some titles. Uh, we'll talk this month about elders and, and deacons and, and evangelists and some biblical titles like that. And yes, those people are supposed to be leaders, but that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about the importance of each one of us playing a role in helping others grow in their relationship with Christ. So when we talk about a church that's filled with leaders, we're, we're talking about that, that, that challenge or that privilege uh, to, to be a leader. Whether we, we, we could be talking about Allie, we could be talking about Deacon, we could be talking about Miss Ruby, we could be talking about Miss Ish, we, we, we could be talking about Don, we could be talking about Barry, we could be talking about any one of us. The challenge for us to be people that say, I'm not, just some, I'm not just going to be someone who takes care of myself. I'm going to be someone who helps others grow closer to Christ. One of my favorite illustrations, and it's a very simple illustration, but it just rings in my head over and over. You ever hear one like that and this kind of gets stuck? I, I always think about the guy who runs up to, to, to the service station and, he, and he's all, he's all t- tattered and weathered and looks like he's really kind of been through the mill. And he, and he, and he goes in and he asks, he, he asks the, the service attendant at, at, at the gas station, he said, have you seen a group of about 15 boys? And the guy looks at him and he says, yeah. I mean, they came through here probably not a half hour ago. And he has this, this look of relief on his face and he says, good, because I'm their leader. It always sticks in my head that he said, I'm their leader. He wasn't really their leader, was he? I mean, if he was tagging along behind, he wasn't even with, he wasn't really their leader. And I think we're called to actually be leaders. I'm supposed to be leading someone closer to God. I I want to play a part in helping someone get from one point to another point. Isn't that what a leader is? Somebody says, why don't you come and you follow me? And I guess I could, I, I, could, I could qualify it, who leads someone to a positive place. There are lots of people that are leading others astray. There are many people who are leading people to, to bad places. I'm talking about healthy churches are full of people that are leading other people to godly places and to spiritual places. That if I'm in your life, you're more likely to be walking in the direction of heaven. You're more likely to, to, be, to be closer to God and be stronger in your spiritual walk. That's the challenge for each one of us, to be leaders within the body of Christ. That's what a healthy church is going to look like. And when you don't have those things in churches, this happens from time to time. You, you, you'll, you'll have entire congregations of people who only think about themselves You'll have a church that is stagnant and sickly and dying. I don't want to be a part of a church like that. I don't want to be a church like that. Healthy churches are filled with leaders. So our goal this morning, I want to give you three characteristics of godly leaders. 
And then I want to give us four examples. I want to give us four examples from the New Testament of godly leaders in action. Thomas, that's seven points, okay? I promise if it gets carried away, we'll only do two or three examples. But I think we're, we're, I want us to move fairly quickly because these are fairly simple principles that, that, that I think we just need to acknowledge and then, and then to move forth from there as we talk about leadership and what that looks like inside of a healthy church. So point number one, or, or the first characteristic that we might talk about when it comes to talking about leadership in the church, is that leaders are striving towards a destination in and of themselves. If I'm going to be a leader, if I'm going to say, follow me, if I'm going to get you from point A to point B, then I either have to be at point B or in the process of getting to point B. Now, I may be there in terms of growth, but none of us have arrived there in terms of, in terms of the ultimate destination of heaven, right? But if I'm going to lead, I'm going to have to either be there or be on my way there. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. You, you, you ever tried to take some, have you ever tried to take somebody someplace that you've never been to? You ever tried to give directions to a place that you, you don't really understand? Sometimes I get kind of tickled uh, listening to Chance give directions uh, around town or try to figure things out or try to act like he knows where he's going. It's pretty funny because he doesn't know, right? I, I said something the other day. I said, you know, you know where the big water fountain is at VSU? That's pretty simple, right? Colin, Col- that's, that's pretty simple, right? A big water fountain right there, right in the middle. And he was like, yeah, kind of. I said, you don't know where that's at, okay? And I know he doesn't know because, because it was about four years ago that I didn't know where that was at. You can't lead somebody someplace that you've never been, Right? You, you can't take somebody someplace unless you're in the process of going there yourself. Well, even the Apostle Paul understood that. It, remember what Paul said. This is Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. He, he, speaks of, he speaks of spiritual growth and he says, It is not that I have already attained or I am already perfected. Now, when, when you set yourself up to be a leader, and sometimes people are, are hesitant to, to, to say, I want to be a leader, because, I listen, I can tell you all the reasons people ought not to follow me, okay? And all those things kind of ring in my head, and, I, and I, I still got all these issues and all these problems. Well, so did Paul. And Paul says, as I'm talking about this, I'm, even as I'm saying, imitate me, I'm not saying I'm perfect, I know I'm not perfect. I'm engaged in that spiritual struggle. I haven't already attained it. I'm not perfected, but I press on. I press on every single day that I may may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I'm not there, but I'm working to get there. If I understand that, let as many as as are mature have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, then God will reveal even this to you. This is just the way that God intends for it to be. For each of us to be on this journey towards heaven and for us to be people who are, who are helping and, and, and walking with other people. We're to be building people up spiritually. 
Can I tell you that leaders are not divisive people? Leaders are not divisive people. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, one of the things that is condemned as much as anything else are people who cause division within the body. Leaders are not the people who are, who are always complaining the loudest. Now, sometimes, sometimes divisive people and people who complain a lot, sometimes they, they get their way. Sometimes they're put in charge of certain things because... Because they'll cause a stink, or because they're divisive, or because they always have something negative to say. And so they'll be in charge, or they'll have some title, but they're not leaders. Those, that's not what a leader is. A leader is someone who actually helps someone grow closer to God. Leaders are going to be people who are actually going to be shock absorbers or mufflers toward, towards those types of people. Healthy churches are filled with people who are saying, I'm in a journey. I am engaged in a spiritual journey in my life. And I've not, I've not attained that goal, but I'm telling you that I have grown in my life. And I want to share that growth with you. I want to share with you the hope that I have that I didn't used to have. I want to share with you the joy that I have that I didn't used to have. And you look like you don't have it in your life. Well, God wants you to have it. So let me walk with you. That's what a leader does. A leader is someone who's striving towards a destination, in particular, striving towards that spiritual destination. Point number two, leaders are sacrificial. Now, leaders, leaders in the church is going to be a different category from, from leaders in the world. And there's, I know there's a lot of overlap, and, and you can gain a lot from reading, reading books about leadership and th th things of that nature. But I want us to understand that when we take on this spiritual component, when we take on this spiritual component, that we, we, we have a different relationship going on here. Leaders, from a spiritual perspective, are sacrificial. Turn to your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. See, we have to understand that, that to be the leader doesn't mean be in charge. That if you want to think about being a leader in the church, that doesn't mean that, 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 that you just get to be the, one, the person who tells other people what to do. If that were the case, we have no shortage of leaders. There are lots of people who want to tell other people what to do. Is that, is that true? I mean, I'd probably be at the very front of that line. Right? I mean, that's, I, mean I, I, like to, I like to tell people what to do, and not, uh, sometimes I struggle with being told what to do. I think that's the, the human, human fleshly part of us. But that's why biblical leadership is so different. Biblical leadership is filled with people who are sacrificial. I'm talking about signing up. I'm talking about signing up for something that's going to cost you something. And yes, there are great rewards that come, but listen, they may never come in this life, and they may cost you everything in this life. That's what biblical leadership looks like. And Jesus, you remember when Jesus got down and he washed his disciples' feet? And they said, what, what are you doing? I mean, we need to wash your feet. This doesn't make any sense, right? He says, because this is what a leader looks like. I want you to get that. This is what being a leader looks like. It is a position of sacrifice. It is a position of service. Whether you want to talk about elders, whether you want to talk about deacons, whether you want to talk about ministers, whether you want to talk about Bible class teachers, whether you want to talk about just being a true brother or sister in Christ, 
at its core, it is about me giving up of myself. Not me looking down my nose at someone else. Jesus said there in Luke chapter 22 and verse 24, the Bible says there was a dispute amongst them, amongst, amongst the disciples, right? As to which of them should be considered the greatest. You know, that's an argument that's been going on amongst God's people probably since the creation of God's people. I know it was going on there in the first century, and I know that it still goes on today. Who is going to be the greatest? Who's going to get their way? I've seen enough church fusses that have been caused by that very thing. And nobody says that, 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 that that's what's going on, but I'm telling you, that's what's at the core of grown men and grown women who are having the discussion about whether they're going to get their way. Jesus said to them, You know, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. But those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. It's not supposed to be that way amongst you. See, we all understand that there's hierarchy in the world where I'm above you, so I tell you what to do and you do it. We, we've been the boss, or maybe we've been under the boss. We, we've, we've been in those situations. He says, that's not the way the church works. That's not the way God's people are supposed to work. But not so amongst you. And, and you almost see the, the wheels turning in, in their heads because that's exactly what it was like amongst them. At least the way that they were envisioning it. Envisioning it. And he wants them to take a step back and say, maybe we're supposed to be getting along differently. Maybe leadership is something different. On the contrary, he who is the greatest amongst you, let him be as the younger. And he who governs as he who serves. In other places, Jesus would say that, that, that the greatest amongst you will be your what? Your servant. See, leadership in a healthy church means that, that you have a church that's full of people who are working and striving every day to grow closer to God, and they want other people to grow closer to God. Healthy churches are filled with people who are not just standing up to say, I, I, I want to tell other people what, what to do, but they're standing up and saying, I want to die for them. I want to give up of my time. I want to give up of my money. I want to give up of my resources. I want to give up of, 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 of my rights. Why? For them. That's what a leader is. You, you go and you read Philippians chapter 2 about the mind of Christ and at the, at the heart of the mind of Christ. What, what was it? What they need is more important than what I want. What they need is more important. So you esteem one another more important than yourselves. That's what the Bible says, right? That's what a leader looks like. So, so don't don't show up at somebody's house and say, I'm here to lead you, and I'm going to tell you what to do. It doesn't work that way. I mean, I'm not saying Jesus didn't have some things to say about, what, about how we like to live our lives, right? But he said those things as he died for us. There's a big difference. Leaders are sacrificial. Thirdly, leaders are patient. Leaders are patient. You know, it's highly unlikely that you're going to change someone's life with one sermon. I say that as your preacher. 
Okay? I, I hope you have impact. I, I believe in the power of the Word of God. But, but you want to really lead someone closer to God. It's highly unlikely that's going to happen with one sermon or with one Bible class or with one meeting or with one day. Leadership is about patience. Moses wanted to be the leader of the nation of Israel. He fancied himself when actually when he was around my age, around 40 years old, he decided, I'm going to lead my people, right? And you remember what the people did when he stood up for them? When he stood up against an Egyptian soldier for them? You remember what the people said? Who do you think you are? Had to go and wander in the wilderness for another 40 years. He comes again to lead them, and the people rebel. He's 80 years old. That's not exactly when you want to be starting a new career, is it? That's exactly when Moses started the greatest career of his life. I'm going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years with a bunch of people who did nothing but grumble and complain about God and about Moses. But he stayed the course. He stayed the course for 40 years. And do you know where he took them? To the promised land. Moses gave his life for those people, getting them to a place that even he would never see. Leadership involves patience. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, the Bible says, Let us not grow weary in doing good. And the immediate context is in dealing with the sin of other people and church discipline and things of that nature. But, but the principle could apply to almost any, almost any arena of, of our spiritual life where we interact with our brethren and they wear us out. This gets old. I mean, how many times do I have to say, I'd really love to see you in Bible class? How many times do we have to talk about this? How many times do we have to... Over and over and over until that person gets it because it's a soul Leadership is to be patient. So those things that we see played out throughout the pages of the New Testament, throughout the history of of the New Testament church, I want to give four examples of leadership. Four examples that that hopefully can help us to flesh out, right, to incarnate some of these general principles of leadership that we want to be looking for, that we want to be striving to give. In the New Testament church, we see leaders that are active in restoring souls. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass... By the way, does that happen today? Are people overtaken in trespasses? Do people fall away? Do people fall into the world? Oh, I mean, I, I hope that we realize how frequently that happens, and I hope that it bothers us, because it happens a lot. We, we have a, we get a little list in the office, of, it's just the, 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 the chronic list, right? And it's, yeah, people, if, if they've missed like a, a month or something like that, if, if, if somebody's just completely fallen off the map for a month, I don't mean, you know, you're on vacation or you were sitting with a, a shut-in or something like that, but they've just fallen off the map, just for, for said, I'm not going to worship for a month. And, and our elders do a great job of trying to deal with that and to reach out and to encourage and, and even to, at some points to, to discipline in regards to those things. And, and so you shrink that list down. And do you know what? You know what always happens right after that list gets shrunk down? 
It grows. It is like it keeps growing. It won't quit growing. And it's not like a tree. It's just it's people and it's souls and it's families. So when Paul says if a man is overtaken in any trespass, listen, that's, that's going on all the time. It's going on in this case. And this, this, I think that we have a healthy church here, and it's going on. Anywhere you have people, that's going to happen. He says, when that happens, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Listen, who's going to do that? We sit back and we say, well, that's the elder's job. Well, okay, I'm thinking there should be spiritual men, so they should be involved in that, right? Uh, that's the preacher's job. Well, I hope your preachers are, are spiritual men, so yeah, they're going to be involved in that. But anywhere in that text where he says, where he says I want the elders to make sure that they, that they take care of this and they're the only ones who are responsible for this. Is that, is that in the text? No. He just says, you who are spiritual... If you care about spiritual things, if you are someone who says, I care about God and I acknowledge souls, I want you to be involved in bringing people back to Christ, whether you got a title before your name or not. That's what a leader looks like. In the New Testament church, in that healthy church, filled with people who are not just thinking about themselves, but we're looking out and we're not just saying, you know, so-and-so hadn't been here in a while. Somebody should do something. Somebody should say something. No, someone who actually goes through the process of doing something to try to restore that person. I, I heard someone say once in one of the, another one of those things that just kind of shakes in my head over and over again. They made this point. They said, there are some people that the only way that they're going to go to heaven is if you take and you hold their hand every step of the way. And you have to decide if you're okay with that or not. Because it gets old holding people's hands. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? I, you, you have to decide. That's what a leader looks like. I'm going to walk with them as someone walks with me. I'm striving towards that destination. And I've got to be sacrificial to do that. Because you know what it takes? Do you know the reason that people don't, the reason that people don't reach out and try to restore those who are overtaken in trespass? It's not because we don't know that it goes on. It's not because we don't acknowledge it. Lots of people talk about it. People don't actually go to the process of restoring people because it's hard work. It takes a lot of your time to do that. It may take your Friday night or your Sunday afternoon. It, it's, going, it's going to put you into very uncomfortable situations. It's going to take a lot of energy. That's why people don't do it. But people who are willing to be patient, I will walk with you every step of the way that's what a leader does that's what healthy churches are filled with people that that listen if if i stumble listen you're gonna you're gonna pick me up and you're gonna walk with me and i may stumble more than you or you may stumble more than me but we're gonna walk together somebody told me this week they said i'm coming back this sunday 
I don't see her right now. If, she, if you're here, raise your hand because it would really make me feel good right now, but I don't see her right now. She told me she, told me she would be here this morning. That's frustrating. You know what? On Tuesday, I'm going to find her, and I'm going to say, where were you? I really hope you come next Sunday. And if she's not here now, I'm not giving up. We can't give up. That, that's leadership. Leadership. Leaders are people who are active in restoring souls. Leaders are people who are active in teaching other people. Leaders teach other people. There in Acts chapter 18, verses 24 and 26, we read about a husband and a wife. It's easy to say, well, we got a preacher, right? He's supposed to teach people. But when I see Aquila and Priscilla, everywhere I see them going in the church, whether they're in Ephesus or they're in Corinth, right, or they're in Rome, they're, they're these active members in the church, and it's not just a man who's a leader, it's a woman who's taking part in this too, as husband and wife, not violating the things Paul's talking about over in Timothy or the Corinthian letter, right, but leading, being active in those things. There was a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures who came to Ephesus. So there was this preacher who came to town, and he was a very powerful speaker, he knew the Word of God, and he knew how to communicate the Word of God. But, but the text will tell us that there was something lacking in his knowledge. He only, knew, he only knew of the baptism of John. And this husband and this wife, they're sitting there, and they're listening to him. A sincere, honest man who believes that he's preaching the whole counsel of God doesn't even know that he doesn't have the whole counsel of God. What do you do? So... So they went to him and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. That's what leaders do. Leaders are able to have conversations with other people about the Word of God. Not just people who know nothing, but sometimes people who know more than you. Sometimes people who, 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 may, have, who may have more experience than you. I want to have this conversation. That's what a leader does. You remember? You remember when the eunuch is riding along and he's reading from Isaiah? What kind of a guy reads, reads Isaiah when, when, when he's traveling? Anybody? I mean, when you have, like, I'm going, I'm going to sit at the ocean, not for the hurricane, but on a good day, right? I'm going down to one of these, one of these fancy resorts with a big umbrella, and, and you know what? I, I'm going to take a book with me. You know what I'm going to read, Travis? Going to read Isaiah on the beach. Who does that? I don't. Michelle, do you do that? Tell me no, okay? I think there's something kind of crazy if you did. But I don't do that. That's what, that's what he was doing. He's reading Isaiah on, as he's traveling. Philip comes up. He says, do you understand what you're reading? Like, I, see, I see you're reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand? You remember what he says? How can I unless someone teaches me? How can I understand that? Acts chapter 8, Right? Leaders are people that are involved, not just in restoring the airing, but teaching others, sharing the things, sharing the faith that, that, you have, that you have grown into. Listen, it's about striving towards a destination. Listen, I'm, 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 I'm learning. I want to share with you the things that I know because I didn't know them. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I want you to be shared the same things that were shared with me. Why don't people do it? A lot of time, 
a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of investment. We have amazing Bible class teachers, okay, at Forest Park. I, I mean, it's one of, one of the real strengths of our congregation. Don't think that we got a lot of teachers that are just showing up at the last minute teaching Bible class. Whether they're teaching in the three-year-old class or they're teaching in the, in the Silver Threads class, that's, that's, the, that's the spectrum, right? There are hours and hours of work that are going into that because they're leaders, because I'm trying to help you understand these things. And then you got to be patient. Teaching people things is, is about a lifetime. Leaders, leaders in the New Testament church were people who led the embrace of others. I, I didn't know what other word to use, but, but, but th- this is one of the first things that popped into my head. Leaders are people who would lead the embrace of others in the church. You know, when, when, when Saul was converted, it, it, was, it was a pretty risky thing. I mean, can you imagine if there was someone who, who everybody in town, everybody in the church knew that what their job was was to come into places like this and take people and throw them into prison for doing what you're doing right, right now? And even stone people for confessing that Jesus is the Christ? I mean, that, that, that really was what was going on, and then that guy shows up and wants to sit next to you at church. How do you feel about that? Is that tough? You, you, you're not hearing a word out of my sermon if that, if that happens, right? I'm, I'm just thinking, right? I mean, sometimes we've had some, we've had some like mentally unstable people that have like showed up in our, in our, in our worship service. And our, I mean, I'm, I'm up here, I see it, our security team, they spring into action like they're on, they're, they're on, on edge of their seat, ready to, ready to pounce. And, and people, they're not, I mean, they're not, I can just see you're like looking at this guy, right? Right? I'm not, I'm not looking at you, John, I promise. But uh, I mean, that happens, right? Can you imagine if you really did know? This guy ain't crazy. This is what he does for a living. You could, listen, it isn't about going home this afternoon. It's about going, it's about going to heaven this afternoon because this guy's going to kill you. So Saul shows up at the church of Jerusalem. Can you imagine that the people were going, I don't know about that guy. That ever happened in churches? Not to the point of people, I mean, today, if people are going to throw you into jail, I hope not. But do people ever show up in our, in our congregations? And I'm not talking about being mentally unstable or wanting to harm people. But, but people that, are, man, they're just a little bit different. They're just a little bit different than we are. Maybe they don't know what to say. Maybe they don't know what to act. Maybe they don't have the background that we have. And, and what, what happens in a lot of places? I don't know about that person. And we will go in churches, we will hold those people at arm length for weeks and months. I've seen it for years. Churches that are filled with leaders, like Barnabas, when Saul shows up, what did he do? Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Did Barnabas have to do that? I mean, what do you think? You think Barnabas was like the the deacon in charge of new member involvement? I mean, I don't read that anywhere, okay? Barnabas took it upon himself, as far as I can tell, to say, you come with me. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Leaders bring people in. Even as as they protect the flock. Leaders bring people in. That's what Barnabas did. 
Why don't people do that? Listen, it's about, it's about coming along and saying, I want, I want you to have the same hope that I have. I can look at you and tell that you're broke. I can look at you and tell you that, that your life is messed up and that you don't have joy in your life, and I used to be there. Let me give to you what someone gave to me. But that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. Sometimes that can be really messy, can't it? Absolutely. What, what, if, what if people think the wrong thing? What if somebody says something that they, they, they don't even know not, not to say it? Am I willing to deal with that? If I'm a leader, I am. If I'm not a leader, then, then I, just, I just let it go. I just take care of myself. Healthy churches are filled with people who refuse to give up. Listen, churches are filled with people who are ready to work. Leaders, leaders see something that needs to be done, and they don't just gripe about who's not doing it. They get out there, and they, and they do what they can to get it done. That's what, that's what leadership is. So they had this problem in the church in, in, in the church of Jerusalem where they had some widows. And I'm not talking about, about, about women and people who had lots of families to take care of them. I'm talking about women who were, who were destitute, old women who didn't have children to care for them, whose husbands had passed away, and, and, the, and the, they were dependent on the church for, for their sustenance. And there were widows who were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. I mean, we're, our job is to feed the widows, and there's some widows that aren't getting fed. Is that a problem? Would that be a problem in this congregation? Well, you better believe that'd be a problem, okay? And especially there's that racial component that goes in there. It wasn't just the widows weren't being fed. Uh, there was a certain class of widows, the Grecian widows, who weren't being fed. All the Hebrew widows were being taken care of. All the Grecian widows were being neglected. I don't think it was intentional, but I'm sure it caused a stink, okay? What do we do? And the apostles said, ah, we can't do that. We can't, we, we can't leave, we can't leave this, this position that God's put us in. We're, they appoint deacons. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So we have these first deacons who are, who are put into that role, who every day would go forth and make sure that the widows got fed. Why? Because I see a job. We're going to make sure it gets done. So is that like all they did? Like they were just the people that fed the widows? No, you look at the list. Stephen was amongst this list. What else do I know about Stephen? Gospel preacher. Stephen's out there evangelizing. Stephen's out there sharing the word, right? I mean, the very next chapter, they're going to throw rocks at his head and kill him for, for proclaiming the word of God, right? Acts 7. But before we get to Acts 7, you know what Stephen's doing? He's going around making sure widows have food. That's what leaders do. That takes time. That takes time. There are lots, I mean, just not just widows having food. There are lots of the physical components of the church that they take time. That's why people don't, don't engage in them. But I'm just going to tell you, widows like to eat every day. Don't they? So it's an everyday thing. A lot of patience involved in this. A lot of longevity involved in this. I want you to think about examples like that. And, and this afternoon when you sit down for lunch, I want, you, I want you to sit down with your family and I want you to talk about what are some other examples of people that are leading in the church. It's not about a title. It's just, it's just about, a, it's about a, a, a person who says, I'm going somewhere and I want to take other people with me. Well, whether that means I'm going to restore the airing or I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to share the gospel with someone and teach them something about God that, that they may not know. Well, maybe, maybe I'm going to lead the way in embracing and helping this to be a welcoming congregation. Maybe, maybe I'm going to be the person who gets in there and rolls up my sleeves because, because, that, because that's what leaders do. 
I want you to think about some other examples of that happening in the Bible. But ultimately, I want us to see that true leaders follow the ultimate leader. Matthew chapter 4, in verse 18 through 20, the Bible says that Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And they were casting their nets in the sea that they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus looked at another man, and he said, you follow me. He's the ultimate leader. You follow me, and I'm going to change your life. I'm going to show you something that men don't understand. I'm going to make you into fishers of men. See, Jesus was striving towards a destination Yes, in his life he was, he was leading up to his death upon the cross, but even that was a part of a, of a bigger plan of saving mankind. When he would try to prepare his disciples for, for what was about to happen, you, you remember what he told them? I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house there are many mansions, there are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Listen, I want you to follow me because we're going somewhere. I'm preparing us to go somewhere. Jesus was a leader because he not only sacrificed his time, he didn't just sacrifice his money or his comforts, he sacrificed his life. Paul said there in Philippians chapter 2 that he became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So when I think, well, maybe, maybe I'm sacrificing too much. I've already sacrificed so much. And I go and I read those words about what he sacrificed. Maybe I haven't sacrificed very much at all. The true leader, Jesus Christ, who wants us to go to heaven and has paid everything so that we can go to heaven and is patient with us in that journey. You ever heard the invitation and you knew it was talking about you? I mean, I know we've all heard the invitation and we knew it was talking about somebody else, okay? I know we've all been there. But have you ever heard the invitation and you knew it was talking about you? And you didn't do anything about it. That ever happened in your life? Do you know what happened the next time that, that the church came together? the same invitation got given to you. You, you might have ignored the, the Lord's invitation for years, for decades. I don't know. But yet He extends it to you over and over and over and over again. And I don't know when that runs out, but here's what I'm telling you. The Lord is patient. Not just with the world. The Lord is patient with me. When, when He should have written me off a long time ago, and he said he's growing, and we're going to give him time. And I just pray that he responds before it's too late. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is the will of God, that you would come to repentance if you're outside the body of Christ, that you would repent and that you would be immersed in that watery grave 
If you're inside the body of Christ, but you've wandered away, the will of God is that, is that you would respond to Him. If your burdens are overwhelming, you, the, the will of Christ is, is that you would turn to Him. And if you've done those things, the will of God is that you would lead someone else in doing those things. That leads to a healthy church that we all want to be a part of. Let's respond to Him this morning as we stand and as we sing.